Right, uh, today I want to speak, uh, you know, last week it was Father's Day, so uh, I spoke on the heart of the Father basically and how much the, the Father in God, and, um, but I'm busy in a series talking about fruit and uh, how fruit comes. And uh, you know what I've been seeing, and this is actually more uh, directed towards the broader crowd that watch via the internet as well, um, you know I've, I've seen but people go over into the grace of God, focusing on the unconditional love of God, mercy of God, and those kind of things. And then what happens when people go over in, into the message of grace is they are loosed from the bondage they were in and kind of don't know what to do now. You know, They don't know, you know, how should I be involved in church? How should I... Um, you know, uh, how does my giving work? How does my involvement in winning souls? All those kind of things. How does it work? And they don't know. And while they don't know, the worst thing that you can do is to try and force them in what you think they should do. Because that will bring forth more bondage in their lives and they will just see it as, well, we are just in the name of grace going back to the old system. Um, Instead of just allowing the gospel to bring forth the, the, the fruit that God wants to bring forth in people's lives. And uh, then we get teachings like responsibility, you know, how, how we have responsibility towards the church, how we have responsibility towards our families and those kind of things. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about the fruit of responsibility and how that works in our lives. Now, the worst thing that can ever happen is for me to say, you know, um, you are responsible towards, uh, you know, a, f a family member or your wife or something like that. And you better take up your responsibility. Now, if we look in a natural sense, I, I'm, I mean, I'm the man in the house and I need to care for my family. The Bible even says that. And I need to take up a certain responsibility in caring for my family. But... And we know that, but how do we do that? That's the big question. Um, we know we, what, where we want to end, but how we get it right is what it's all about. And that's, that's where the whole gospel system comes in. And what, I wanna, and what, I, what we're going to end at today is that God makes it His responsibility to bring forth the right fruit in you. It's not your responsibility to bring forth the right fruit in you. God made it His responsibility. And we can have, and when we can have a change of mind, we can have a change of life. And the moment we started, you know, the Bible says that my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Now what that means is, it doesn't mean God is mystical and we cannot know His thought. It just means that the way God thinks is different than the way humans think. A human thinks, well, he needs to take up his responsibility and now start to be a good husband. Where God thinks and he says, listen, the only responsible life there is, is my life. And I want to give you my life as a free gift. That's how God's way is higher than our way. We think we must do it. God thinks he wants to give it. That's the difference. That's why his way of reasoning is different than ours. We want to look at, 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 at what we have available. Then we want to make use of what we have that, that's available. And then try and form a life out of making use of our own abilities. Where God says, listen man, I give you whatever you need as a free gift. That's how it worked from the beginning. You know, Adam didn't do anything so that God would create him. 
You know, God made the earth for who? For Adam and for Eve, for humans. And what did they do to deserve life? To deserve receiving the Holy Spirit? To re re receive the whole planet? They did nothing. God said the only way man could ever have it is if God gives what belongs to him freely to man. And God's mind has never changed. His mind is the same. It was yesterday, today and forever. He will be the same. And I like that verse. Um, I, I remember years ago, Ronald Bonker preached, uh, preached it. He said um, uh, in, in um, Revelation, it says, Jesus is the one who was, who is, and who is to come. That word is to come is, is very strange Greek. And what it actually says is, it, it's like standing at a river. Where you say, uh, the river was there a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, a hundred years ago. The river was. And when you look at the water in front of you, you say, but the river is. And when you look upstream, you see, and it's coming. <laughs> And coming, and coming, and coming. It's the same thing over and over and over. It can never change. The God that was, that made the earth and man and decided to give everything for free has not changed. He was, He is now, and He will be the same. Forever. The same God is coming all the time. Meaning, the way he thinks is he'll give it to you as a free gift. And when we can have this change of mind, we'll have a change of life. And I'm thinking of a wonderful story that uh, uh, my hairdresser told me. <laughs> she said she listened to something at, uh, um, on the radio. And it was this Dormini that told the story. And it was so beautiful. Uh, she said, well, this is what happened. <clears throat> they decided to get some money together for... Some, or for a poor family in, in the church. And it's also a, kind of a wealthy church and everybody, and they're now going to give to this poor family, and they've got some months in which they could save up money and gather money to give to this family. And there's one lady, um, you know, she, she was a widow, and she said to her kids, listen, you know, we're also going to partake in this giving. You know, let's... And they were excited, and, you know, they were gathering things, and the kids had plans and ideas on selling stuff at school and whatever. They did a lot of things, you know, to get money together. They were saving up. One of the things they did was they would switch the electricity off at night and sit in the dark and just chat, you know, and in such a way save up money. And then after some months they had quite a nice amount of money together and they went and then there was a certain day in which you could give them money to the church and they went, she, she, uh, they went as a family and gave them money to the church and then two weeks later the reverend came to their house and said listen you are the family that we gathered this money for <laughs> and then she said and they were very sad they said we never knew we were poor we never knew that we were poor and they could never use that money and when the church had a building uh, uh, thing again, they took all that money, it was a large sum of money, I don't know how much, and gave it to the church. And then they said we could be free again. Because that made us poor. Because we are not poor. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? You see what I'm trying to say is a change of mind brings a change of life. If you can think different, if you can think the way God thinks, your life will change.
Everybody saw this family as poor in need of help, but they weren't poor. Because poverty is something that's in your belief. In the very same thing when it comes to God and when it comes to fruit bearing, you know, uh, we can struggle to bear fruit if we have the wrong belief about it. But as what, I mean, for this lady and her kids, how difficult was it to live in prosperity? It was only a belief away. It's all. Only a belief away. In the very same way with fruit bearing, it is not an effort away, it's a belief away. And we want to talk, that's what I want to talk about, you know, today. And, and, you know, how God sees this. And how God's whole plan with man was, not that you will bear fruit, but that He can bear His fruit in you. The human race is almost like soil. Soil, it's almost like soil that God created, you know, that He wanted to bear fruit in. It would be absolutely ridiculous to go to a piece of land, a farmer, if you would go to a piece of land and tell the piece of land, listen, if you bear fruit, then I will bless you with fertilizer. <laughs> it cannot, you, you know that the land cannot bear the fruit. Neither can the land, unless it is fertilized or it's healthy soil, can it bring forth any fruit. It needs a seed. The seed needs to be placed in the ground. And that's how God made man. He made His Word, His love, His acceptance, the seed that needs to be in our heart. And we are the soil. And His unconditional love... Mercy, His influence upon the human race, His acceptance towards you, how He blesses you, is when you believe it, is when you receive the seed into the soil of your heart. Then that seed will bring forth the fruit that the farmer intended. So the only responsibility that we can have is towards receiving God's love, allowing Him to love you. I mean, how can the, you know, if, if we look at a relationship, if we look at uh, uh, Gerard and Tanya here, how can, if, if, unless both of them allow the other one to love Him, how will they have the fruit of a successful marriage? It can never be outside of the one allowing the other one to love him or her. That's what it's all about. So, um, and, and I've seen in my life, if I want to be good to Helena, good to my kids, good to, the peop to this church, to the people on the web that watch my ministry and what I preach, the most responsible thing that I can ever do is to allow God to love his responsibility in my life which is that he will bring forth fruit in me and not stand in God's way by trying to bear fruit by my own effort and rather listen and listen to his word of his love allow him to wash my feet to clean me to bless me by his love and then I will be a good pastor 
I will be a good father and I will be a good husband because God brings forth that quality of life in me. So my responsibility is not to try and be a good father. My responsibility is to allow God to love me. That's my responsibility because God's not forcing him down on anybody. He makes his word available. When we hear and hear his love and his goodness towards us, we find it brings, brings forth fruit. And we're just going to look quickly at, um, <clears throat> at some verses here. The goal of the gospel is not to be able to say, Thank God I am out of danger of an angry God. For... Um, but to share in his quality of life. You know, many times we thought that the end of the gospel is just to get free from the place where the plagues are going to fall, you know, because God's going to punish somebody or wring somebody's neck. You know, he really got ticked off with Adam and he still wants to kill somebody. And, and um, you know, Jesus gives you the opportunity that he will not kill you if you just live right and believe right and do right. The end of the gospel is not just to veer away from punishment. The end of the gospel is to experience his quality of life, which he, from the beginning, intended to share with us. Jesus does not base cleanliness on works, but belief. And um, in the next verse, we're going we're gonna to just, I'm going to explain this, and then we're going to read some of the verses. Jesus comes, and he says to his disciples, he says, you are he says, you are, or he wants to wash their feet. So Peter said, um, you can't wash my feet. Then Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you cannot have any part in me. Now what that means is, if I don't serve you, you cannot be a partaker of who I am. Now let me explain that. What he's actually saying is, if I cannot be good to you, you cannot partake in my quality of life. So the only way you can know what it is to have true peace is to allow God to wash your feet. That's what he said to Peter. He said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, if I don't, and I'm going to explain what washing of the feet really is. You know, we've, we've seen the washing of the feet just as a physical washing of the feet. And sometimes in churches we say, now we're going to wash feet this Sunday. You know, and we've got 150 members, and then next Sunday we've got 25 members. Because in that church, I must, you know, you don't know if your feet smell, you know? It's, it's, it's embarrassing. And then we try to use a Jewish custom, you know, which we don't even know actually what they did. And he, Jesus even said to the Jews, to, to his, his disciples, you don't know what I'm doing. He said to Peter, I'm washing your feet, but you don't know what I'm doing. And if you read chapter 13, 14, and 15, you start to see what he was actually doing and what he was signifying. And then Peter was a, this wise guy, said, well, Jesus, they're not just my feet, but my whole body. Then Jesus said, you are already clean, Peter. Only your feet needs to be washed. Now, what does that mean? Jesus came, and in the baptism, and unfortunately I don't have time to go over that, those of you that are here for the first time, those of you that watch via the internet, um, you can go and watch, uh, look at a message, I will put uh, the link in the description, uh, I think it's called the baptism of John, or something like that on my website, where I explained why uh, Jesus was baptized, and that in the baptism of John, he was baptized as a sinner, although he was not a sinner, and in doing that, he took the sin of the whole world upon him. And when he took the sin of the whole world upon him, um, then 
man was not seen guilty anymore as pertaining to the law and sins because Jesus took it upon him. So in a, in, in a certain sense everybody was clean and innocent because Jesus took the sin upon him. But Jesus comes and he says that Judas is not clean but the disciples are clean. So he comes and, but I mean, when Jesus, and, and, and I want to explain this, when Jesus took the sin of the world upon him, he even took the sins of Judas upon him. But the new law, the new system that came forth is, cleanliness is um, measured in the heart, in what you believe. So if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in what is done, God sees you as pertaining to your heart, as completely clean. According to the baptism of John, I'm sorry that this can be a bit technical, he sees all people clean. Because all your sins like adultery, lying, stealing, whatever sin there is, was upon Jesus and upon the cross and in his death. Okay, So Jesus said, all those sins of the whole world taken away. But there's now a new command. The command is to believe upon him. So should you obey that command, your heart is cleansed because you are now believing the right thing. So what makes your heart dirty is believing the wrong thing. Holiness is not defined by actions. Holiness is defined by what you believe. So he comes and he says to his disciples, Listen man, you're, you are already clean because of what I've done for you and because you believe upon me. But he says, but not all of you are clean. Then he re refers to Judas which does not believe and he would deny the Lord okay, and betray him. So in that we can see that God comes and He declares how He sees cleanliness. Cleanliness is to clean your belief. What you believe about yourself. If you believe I'm just an unrighteous person that is ready to be punished by God and God's going to put me through hard times to purify me, your belief is dirty. And God wants to clean your belief by giving, by washing that belief in what he has done by sharing his belief with you which is I did take away your sin I did give you righteousness as a free gift I, I love you you are valuable if you believe you are not valuable your belief is dirty and he wants to clean your belief by you believing the right thing so once we have believed upon the Lord you know then our heart has been cleansed but now listen to what he says but your feet still need to be washed. That means when we live in this world, the dirt of this world comes to us. That, and this is just a, a, a signifying the beliefs of this world that gets put upon us. Where what you drive, where you stay, uh, who your friends are, those kind of things that wants to infiltrate our belief system, uh, you know, where we have a continual cleansing of that where we hear all the time like on a Sunday service like in the week where we share with each other that we are righteous we are not defined by what we wear where we stay what we must do for God where um, you know we've heard again or a thought comes to us where we think again that man you know um, maybe if I give money to the poor then God will start to bless me you need to be cleansed from thoughts like that because God blesses you because He loves you God, God has blessed you because he, that is who He is in His very being. That's why He blesses. You are valuable.
So we have that, and this is what he said there. He says, I serve you with, with basically taking away all your sin with what I've done for you. And now I tell you that if I've done this unto you, go and do it unto others. So this, this is basically what, what I do here today. Um, I serve you with what Christ has served me with. He's washed my feet, my walk in this life gets cleansed by Him cleansing me by sharing His love and His righteousness with me. And you know, I don't have time to go through every verse in, in um, John 14, 13, 14, you know, and 15, but we're just going to look at some of them in short. Look at what Jesus says here. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, has given all things into his hands, and that he has come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and wipe it with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said unto him, Lord, do you, wash, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said unto him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus said unto him, If I do not wash you, you have no share in me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Jesus said unto him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. But, it is complete, uh, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you talking about Judas. You see, you see just the, 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 Jesus came, called his disciples. He, washed, he took away their sins in the baptism and completely ended it in the cross. And then he came and he said, your belief is already clean. All that needs to happen is for me to continually serve you. For me to continually wash your feet. Do you see? The, and this is a great key in chapter 13, 14 and 15. The only way we can really bear fruit is by having Jesus continually serving us with a message of how much He loves us, of how He, 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 he cleanses us. You see, you cannot bear fruit by the message of how you must wash your feet. The only way you can have fruit and be a partaker of His quality of life is by the message of how He cleanses you. And unfortunately we have in church and in our own mindset come to a place where we got to a, pla we got to a place where we must cleanse us to present ourselves you know, as clean before God by our effort. The, Jesus, look at this, the Bible says, knowing He goes to the Father, knowing the Father has given Him all things, having His identity fully established in who He is, went as a result and as a fruit of that and cleansed people. And, you know, He's never run into an identity crisis, meaning He still believes what He believes about Himself. And that means the same fruit is still there in his life. He will continually declare you as clean and continually in your life take away any belief where you disqualify yourself, where you feel you're not good enough, where you feel you're not holy enough. Because God knows that a holy life 
or, or holiness is not the end goal, but the point from where your life starts. So he needs to declare you holy before you can have a holy life. If you don't believe you are holy, you can never live holy. If you don't believe you are righteous, you can never live righteous. Like the example of the lady that, you know, if she, she could never be that giver unless she first believed that she was rich. And she, beyond a shadow of a doubt, believed that she was rich to the point that when she received the money, she was amazed. It was a revelation to her that other Caesar as poor. She never thought that. In the very same way, do you see uh, with that example and what Jesus has done here, a life born from a new belief? And now it goes on, let's read on uh, to chapter 13, at the end here. Jesus in the whole of 13, 14 and 15 wants to bring them to a place where he see, wants to tell them, do you see the quality of life that is in me? This is the Father. This, you are seeing the Father. You're not just seeing a man imitating the Father. You are seeing someone who believes in the Father, who loves the Father, whom the Father loves, in whom the Father lives. To the point that they said to Jesus, show us the Father. Then Jesus says, Have, I've been with you all the time. How can you ask me? Show me the Father. I've always been with you, Philip. Do you see what Jesus is talking about here? Jesus is not trying to imitate the Father. He's having the Father live in him. And now he wants to tell Peter and the disciples. He says, I'm going to go away and I will come again so that I can receive you to where I am. And in one of the verses he says there, you have the Holy Spirit with you, but he will be in you. So what he's saying is, you are trying to live right, but the plan that I have is to go to my Father to prepare a place for you so that you, when you receive me as I come to you and, and you receive and believe upon me, that I will live in you, that as the Father and myself, we are one, and you see the Father in me, and you see the Father's quality of life in me, that you will be one with me, and one with the Father. So the whole concept that Jesus has here concerning fruit, and, and chapter 15, we're going to go to chapter 15, it talks about fruit bearing. He, he says the whole concept here is the revelation and belief in Christ, where Christ brings forth God in you. Not where you observe an outside commandment, use willpower to try and do that commandment and qualify for eternal life. No, you already qualify. By the death of Jesus Christ, all of mankind qualifies. Now Jesus comes and He reveals Himself to people when we can believe that all our sins are taken away. When we can believe that there is no distance anymore between us and God because of Jesus. Then we receive Him. And then He starts to give birth to who God is. Or the Father gives birth to Himself in us. And we see the life of the Father in us. To the point, now, you know, some of you might say I, I'm a new ager when I say this, but I'm just quoting Jesus. Jesus said, He says, 
In that day you will realize that the Father and I, we are one. And you and me, we are one. So God did not come to bring a different system in manifesting Himself from the system in which He manifested Himself in Jesus. Full union. Wherein you, you, He was so amazed when they say, show us the Father, that Jesus said, but you've seen me. <laughs> Do you see that? There's something much different. There's a big difference between trying to obey some law the Father gives you and having the Father live His life in you to the point that you say but if God feels something where must He feel it except inside my feeling I'm not saying we are God I'm not saying you can be God I'm just saying God's kingdom functions on the principle that the only way you can have God's life is if God lives his life in you by his power and that's true Christianity let's read on okay this is now Peter and let's just see the confusion in Peter's mind here with what I've just said Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. He's going to the Father. But you will follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Jesus answered will you lay down your life for me? Truly I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So here Peter says, listen Jesus, I by my sacrifice will be at the place where you are. I will sacrifice my life by my sacrificial system. I'm even willing to die to be where you are. Jesus said, this is the wrong way around. You shouldn't die to be where I am. I must die to take you where I am. <laughs> it's a big difference. Then he says, Peter, by your effort to be where I am, you're going to deny me, man. Your effort can never qualify you to be where I am. You'll deny me three times. Even in this night. Now listen to, listen, we're going to read this in one, one, one sitting here. He says, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, oh, sorry, wrong verse. Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now listen to what he says to Peter. He says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but don't let your heart be troubled. You have just tried your own effort here again. But I want to clean you. I want to clean your feet. You've still got, in this walk, you believe certain things wrong. In your walk, you are believing that you need to die and sacrifice to have my quality of life. But you cannot have it that way, Peter. Your heart is troubled. Your heart is believing wrong things here. Let me bring peace to your heart. I will prepare a place for you, and then I will take you where I am. That's how you'll bear fruit. I will take you there. How? And this is what he says. You believe in God. But the problem with you, Peter, is you don't believe that I 
can take you to the place where God's quality of life is born in you by my doing. You cannot believe that. That's your problem, Peter. That's what he's saying. But I will do it. In the very same way with us today. You know, we, we must have, we must hear so much about God's unconditional love that we can believe in Jesus. Belief means to have a mind at rest in the, in, at the integrity of someone else. So when we come to a place where there's so much of God's goodness placed before us in understanding how the gospel system works, our heart and our minds will go to rest at His integrity. And we will say, Father, you know, I allow you to love me. I, I'm not going to be irresponsible by listening to a message that's counterproductive, that's going to produce all kinds of death in me. Now, I said to Yefert, you, you know, we, when, when we talk about this good news, we cannot, I found in my life, the most irresponsible thing that I can ever do is to sit underneath a word or put myself in a place where a message is preached that troubles my heart because if I'm in that place what will happen I will not experience God's quality of life in this life so what will I experience I'll experience death I will not be a good husband. I'll be a bad father. I'll think bad of myself all the time. I'll be sin conscious. I'll live in fear. I will all the time have this guilt rise up in my heart. And who wants such a life? That's not what God intended for Adam and Eve. That's not what God intended when He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. He, he envisioned tranquility. He envisioned absolute peace for every human being. And He makes it His responsibility to bring it forth in you. Yet He's given unto you a free will and given you the opportunity to have a relationship with Him. So when He comes with a message of unconditional love, when He comes with a message of you are righteous, I've taken away your sin, I'm giving you a seat in the Godhead, you are my beloved, my beloved is mine, you know, and I'm His, and His banner over me is agape, love. When He comes with that, we embrace it and we allow Him to love us. You know, sometimes, and, and this might sound very radical, um, but I found in my life, especially when I just got into the grace message, it was a good thing for me to just stop to read too much Bible. Because your mindset is so much in the old system. It's, it's better to hear a message that is good news, and rather in the week, spend some time thinking on the good that you've heard. And do that for some months until your heart gets established in how much God loves you. And then you go to the Bible, which is an absolute given book by God. And you spend time reading the Bible. But now you'll have the glasses of I'm loved by God on. And you will start to see His love. And your heart will be open for that love. And then that book will bless you. The best thing you can ever do is to allow God to love you. Listen to what he said to Peter there. Peter, you're going to deny me, but don't let your heart be troubled. 
Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it was not so, I would have told you. It were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So this is Jesus' whole plan, to take God, made it His responsibility, to take man to the level of God's quality of life. It's God's responsibility. Our responsibility is to say, God, I'm available for that. Hallelujah. Let's read uh, one more verse here. Uh, chapter 14, verse 21. Yesterday in the car, um, I've got this nice app on my phone. So you get the hands-free kit and then you can listen to, to the, the reading of the Bible through the hands-free kit in the car. So we were on our way um, to Cape Town. We were listening to some verses in the Bible and something just dawned on me in the reading of this verse that I'm going to read to you now, is that you can have a great zeal for God, but not love Jesus. A very great zeal for God, but not love Jesus. The Bible says in Romans, it says that the Jews has got a great zeal for God, but they killed Jesus. So you can be very zealous for a holy life and living right and doing everything right yet you can detest Jesus because Jesus says that your zeal for living right and doing right by commandment of the law does not impress me what impresses me is when you allow me to bring forth that life in you I've said it many times you know if I take a Rolex and I take it to a jeweler and uh, they copy the Rolex. And they made a, make a perfect copy. I mean real gold, real diamonds, real titanium. Everything exactly like the, the real Rolex. To the point that the owner of the Rolex company cannot tell the difference. The one remains a fake. It doesn't matter how good you copy God's life. If you do it from your willpower, and even if you get it right, the one is born from you, and the other one is born from God. And God has got never had in mind for you to copy His life. He always had in mind for Him to live in you, that you, like Jesus, can say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. By Him living in you. And that, I tell you, that is impossible for humans. We are like, it's as impossible as what it would be for a farmer to say to a piece of land, produce some nice millies here, and then I'll give you fertilizer. It's impossible. The whole kingdom revolves around God sharing His life with us and living in us. Whosoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Now that, that can condemn you, but let me explain it. What is his command? His command is to believe in him. That's his command. Who has my commandments? His commandments was put from chapter 12 
actually from chapter 8, all the things he commanded. And what he was commanding basically was, listen, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then if you can believe this, you will benefit. And in his commandments, he gave all his teachings, commandments, you can actually use the word teachings, you know, about how he sees the kingdom and how he will produce and how he will bring forth. He says, if you believe these things, that the one who can believe this is the one that loves me. And I found, even in church, there are many that can, they love going to church. They love doing things. They love giving their finances. They love many things, doing many things. But when we preach this message that I'm preaching this morning of effortless righteousness in Christ and Christ in you, gospel, they don't want it. That means they don't love Jesus. They don't like the message of Jesus. Because the message of Jesus is the message of how Jesus obeyed on your behalf how Jesus took away your sin, how Jesus rose up on behalf of you, how Jesus represents mankind, how Jesus gave righteousness as a free gift, how Jesus is the one by the power of the Holy Spirit who will justify you, how Jesus will even by the power of the Holy Spirit change your mortal body into immortality, how Jesus will come back and how Jesus will do everything. There's no room for boasting in yourself. There's only room for receiving. Glory to God. So if you don't love that, it means, and this is what he says here, you don't love Jesus. You can love the, 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 the Bible, but the message of Jesus it reveals you don't like. And this is what he says, he who keeps my commandments... What he came to bring, the new covenant he came to bring, he who loves that loves me. Listen to this. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. So this means the Father loves it when you love the fact that you can get it for free. And he loves this. And if you read on, it says, they love this so much that they will come and make their abode inside that person. So, listen to this. This is what God says. I am willing to share my life for free with you. I come without your choice. I take away your sin. Without your choice, I end the law system. And end everything that Adam has done. And put you on a new platform where, which I've designed from the beginning where I believe in you and you believe in me. And I give this for free and I will, you know, bring forth my life in you. And then you say, you believe it. Then God loves that so much that He says, this being that can believe in me, it is so wonderful to see His openness for me. I don't want to live in any other place but in Him. Then the Bible says, the Father and the Son will both come and make their abode inside you. And then, if he's inside the house, he lives there. And then you see how he lives there. You know, the house we, we live in now, when we got it, everything didn't look the way it looks now. 
I mean, we've changed some things in the garden. We've we rented the house next door, took away the fence in between. You know, we've done a lot of changes. The lawn, a lot of things change. Why? Because we moved in. Now, how much effort did the house put in to change? Nothing. In the very same way, this is what he says, when, when our hearts are persuaded of His goodness and His love, then He will make His abode in us. And He will live there. And that's how you bear fruit. Then it goes to chapter 50. And this is what chapter 15 says. He says, let me explain it even further. I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. In the Greek, that word takes away means to lift up. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bring forth more fruit. Now you remember, you know, I remember years ago, I was, I, I still remember this uh, TV preacher had a beautiful tree there, you know. And this big pair of scissors. <laughs> Says God's going to prune you, you know, and got into that tree with that scissors. Listen, even a person that knows nothing about pruning knows that that preacher had it wrong, because that tree will never be the same. You don't prune like that. I saw another guy that loves these bonsai trees, you know. In South Africa, thing he's got a bonsai. That's, I don't know how many years, 40 years or 50 years, we saw him on Pasella. And he comes with a little scissor, you know. And you can see the love and the passion that is inside him, you know. Pruning a little leaf here, a little leaf there. Compared with this preacher with a big pain scare, you know. <laughs> Ruining the tree. Now that's what's happened in church. We've ruined the church through a message of how God wants to kill you. It's sad. It is sad. Now that word prune there means to clean. It's the very same Greek word as the one further on. Let's read it again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. You are now clean or pruned because of the word that I've spoken to you. Every branch in me that does bear fruit, that believes in Jesus, he will tell him more about how he loves him and cares for him and correct every wrong belief where you ever disqualified yourself. So that it can bear more fruit. You are now pruned by me correcting your belief. And what he corrected in the belief of the apostles was, they believed that he was the Messiah that would come to the earth and be the Messiah of the Jews only so they can rule over all other nations and basically have other nations as their slaves. And he corrected them and says, listen, you think I am now here and, and I'm going to live here now forever? I've got news for you. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to come back. You know? And he came. He, you know, there was there's different ways in which Jesus come back, I believe this is still a, a return that must take place. But he also went to the Father, showed himself to the Father, came back and appeared to them, you know. And now he could share the gospel of peace with them, and they can now be where he is. So here he comes and he says, listen, what, your concept of the messianic reign is completely wrong. 
You think this is a Jew only thing? I've changed it. I've included all people into this message. I've died for sinners, and Jews are sinners and Gentiles are sinners, so all qualify. Amen. Amen. What you needed to do to qualify for God's love, and let me put this, what you needed to, to do to qualify for His mercy is sin. He came for sinners. But we wanted to live holy to qualify for the mercy of God. No, no. <laughs> you need to sin to qualify for mercy. Because a person that hasn't sinned doesn't need mercy. Amen. And we all qualified. So here he comes and he says to them, Listen, I've pruned your belief. You believe that it was only about you serving me. But let me tell you what this, this is how you bear fruit. I serve you. And if you can believe this, and continue to believe this, then I can abide in you. Now this is what he says here. And let's, let's read on. I'm finishing with this. He says, Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whosoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For a part of me you can do nothing. I mean, how clear do you want it? Jesus said, listen, as concerning fruit bearing, apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> now what we've always thought is, Jesus saves you, you know, and now it's our responsibility to bear the fruit, and by the measure of fruit, we maintain our salvation. Now that's wrong. No, no, he says, apart of me, you can do nothing. So this is what we, we should do. We believe, how do we abide in Him? We abide in what He says. How do you abide in it? You believe in it. So the Father says, I want to abide in you. But the only way I can abide in you is if you abide in what I do for you. If you abide, is where we get the word abode, or dwelling place or house. Make your house the place you live under the message of how much He loves you then He can live in you and bring forth fruit in you. Don't go there once a month. Live there. Sit huis op, bro. Boda. Sit daar. This is what the Bible says. It says, talking about spiritual warfare, He says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. We want to advance. No, no. The, let God build His kingdom. We're not building God's kingdom. He has established His kingdom. And now we are declaring the established kingdom. This is what the Bible says. It says, go and preach the kingdom of God. It never says go and build the kingdom of God. That's the wrong way around. No, no, He has built His kingdom. He built His kingdom through His obedience, death and resurrection and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's how He has already built His kingdom. And now we declare the new kingdom. So that whosoever wants can make use of the new kingdom. Glory to God. We enter into what He has done. And then when we enter into that kingdom, we find the rules and the power of that kingdom bring forth 
the dynamics of that kingdom in us. And with that message in mind, at the end of the day, all you can say is, Glory to God and none to me. The only glory I have is what He gave me for free, which is His glory. Hallelujah, man. Isn't that good, good news? Thank you, Lord. Allow God to prune your wrong belief. I wanted to show a video here that they have. It's called the, the, the Skip Guys. Um, they've got this little, you know, videos they make, you know, but I couldn't use it because it wasn't grace enough. We must make our own, you know, grace, these grace videos. Well, anyway, it's just like a two-minute video of a guy that comes and says, you know, God, you know... You, uh, you know, form me and make me the way you want. And now it's about this guy that stands there and then there's, you know, he's got a chisel and a hammer. And now the other guy stands, God's, the, the, he, he prays to God. He says, God, now clean me. And the father comes and, and cleans him now. And with this, he says, ouch, you're hurting me. Yeah, I see a little bit of lust there. <laughs> and I see a little bit of stinginess. And I see a little bit of this. My goodness. No, no, no. The way it looks is like this. You stand there. And then he comes with a chisel. And he chisel out the wrong thing you believe about yourself. I see you believe you're not worthy. You are worthy. I believe you're not loved. I want to tell you I've always loved and always will love you. And chisel that out. I believe I need to tithe to be blessed. Let me chisel that out. You know? I bless you because you love because I love you. And everything that I've done and shared this morning is a chiseling, chiseling away. It's, it's called in the Bible terms the washing of the feet or pruning. Glory to God. Let's close our eyes and pray. Father, I want to thank you for this awesome gospel. I know that this is your word because I'm blessed when I hear it. And it brings clarity of mind, glory to God, amazement for who you are, amazement for, our, for, for my, my friends that's in front of me here, where we see your abode in front of us, where you want to live in us. And I thank you, Lord, that you live in us through loving us, and then we abide in that love and believe in that love. Thank you so much for that. I thank you, Father, every person that is here in this week to come and and the rest of their life, by your Holy Spirit, is reminded of this good news over and over and over. And I thank you, Lord, that our hearts uh, are established in your good news. I thank you that you, on a daily basis, cleanse us from any wrong belief we have. And so, you took up your responsibility to bear fruit in us by bringing Jesus and we take up our responsibility by allowing you to serve us with this message and what you've done. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You know, maybe you are here and you've never received Jesus as your Lord. You know, I know I'm, I, most of us, we are just, all of us are basically Christians. But I just feel I want to do this. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord, all you can do today is say, Lord, I receive you. I'm not the Lord of my life trying to please you. I thank you, Lord that you become the Lord of my life. I accept Jesus as my Lord. 
I accept the fact that He saves me, that He brings forth fruit in me, that He cleanses me. And all you can do right there where you are, you can just say, from today, I accept the Lordship of Christ and I allow Him to serve me. And the day you do that, you'll find a new birth. You'll be born from this truth, born again, and not born from willpower, from plugs besef and all those kind of things, but you'll be born from God. And right there where you are, if you want to do that right now, you can just say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. I'm not going to be my own Lord anymore. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. It's good to see all of you here. I want to just thank the people watching via the internet for um, sending the link. If you've been blessed with this message, please send the link to somebody. Those of you that want to give, the boxes are in the back there. Thank you for your generosity. God bless you guys. Amen.